Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 197, the 197th most 970th that has ever been 97th to did. Guys, at the start of this podcast, I want to tell you about the Lions of Liberty store. Also, our new website. Go check it out if you haven't, lionsofliberty.com. Brand new look, spicy, looks nice. Really, oh, man, it's like getting flashed on the subway, but not by some weird pervert, by an attractive person. That's like what our website is now. Anyway, check it out, but also go to lionsofliberty.store because we've got some amazing t-shirts. The taxation is death shirt. Amazing. We got a, bo a bomber dropping bombs made of bills. We can't spell it out more clearly. And also the brand new Miyagi themed taxon. Oh no, wax on, tax off shirt. You know, you wax on, good stuff. You tax off, because fuck taxes. Anyway, check it out, linesofliberty.store. And also if you're Patreon, patreon.com forward slash linesofliberty, you get 20% off. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's up, Butter Chubbins? Yeah, you know you guys are all fat. I don't want to body shame you, but you're chubby. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land 197, everybody. New format for show notes. I want to make you aware because I don't think we can change it. Oh, good. My phone goes off. Thanks, wife. See, that's how you know your wife knows, loves you, knows you, knows, knows you and loves you, knows you're recording a podcast right now and loves you enough to interrupt it by texting you uh, to tweet. Apparently, breaking news, ba -da -da, ba -da -da, some girl is heading over to grab a bag on our front porch. My wife's been giving away the baby stuff. As you guys know, I have an eight-month-old beautiful baby girl, and uh, we've been trying to give away, you know, like these Facebook giveaway groups trying to give away a lot of this crap that we have that we don't need anymore. It's just kind of clogging up the space. So apparently a girl is heading over to grab the bag on the porch. I'm sure you won't notice her coming and going. <laughs> I'll notice her coming. And that's how I got divorced. <laughs> Short story. Anyway, um, where was I? Show notes. So if you guys want show notes for today's episode, we're going to be jumping around quite a bit a lot today. I, uh, yeah, I was going to do an interview today that was going to publish next week. My microphone died, or I should say specifically my microphone cord died when I was going to interview Justin Tosi of the book Grandstanding, which uh, seems like a really fun guy. I did about 15 minutes of interview with him before saying, you know what, man, this isn't working. My mic's dead. My gardener's outside. So it's like I was using computer audio and you could hear, you know, leaf blowing and uh, head trimming. And uh, I don't know, maybe they're having sex out there. I pay them extra to do it. But honestly, I've only seen them actually have sex outside the patio window once, which is very disappointing. But anyway, I had to cut it off with him. But he'll be back next week. And I uh, highly recommend this interview. It's going to be fun. But getting back to my main point, the show notes for today's episode, lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes forward slash ELL197. Our new website has a different, uh, I don't know what you call it, link tree, web page tree, whatever the fuck it is. But long story short, different format now. So lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes forward slash ELL197. There you go. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, 
I want to tell you real quick about a buddy of ours. Actually, you might have heard a review of the film The Conspiracy, which was pretty funny on the Monday show a couple of weeks ago. That's from Bradley Tracy. And he is a, uh, a supporter of ours, but also has his own very interesting blog on Medium all about libertarianism called The Liberty Theorist. So I really highly recommend you guys check it out. It's it, it, Medium is so weird. It's medium.com at The Liberty Theorist. It's a very bizarre way they do this shit. Probably easier to just Google medium liberty theorist, although that might bring up some person that's a medium-sized liberty theorist, which maybe Brad is. I don't know. I haven't met him in person yet. But check that out because it's got great content on it. I'm actually, I, I check it for updates every day. I'm not even lying about that. He's had some really interesting stories. And uh, not only that, I'll give him an additional plug. He's got a very fun podcast as well called The Scarif Scuttlebutt, which is Star Wars-centric. Now, I myself have given up on Star Wars, except for, you know, I actually enjoyed Rogue One and Solo. They were the best two Star Wars movies made in the past 20 years. And if you disagree with that, you're probably some sort of idiot. However, that being said, if you are a big Star Wars fan, check out the Scarab Scuttlebutt as well. Okay, let's get into the show. So kicking it off, there's... I couldn't help notice. Yeah, I'm going through, you know, I, yeah, obviously I'm on Twitter at Brian McWilliams, but I'm going through the old tweet storm and I couldn't help but notice that on the heels of releasing Cuties, a movie which for some odd, bizarre reason, Netflix thought would be a groundbreaking, uh, I don't even know, statement for feminism. Uh, if anything, you could argue is anti-Muslim which if we know anything about our friends on the left, they will go out of their way to defend everything Muslim. And again, not that I'm condemning people that are Muslim in any way, shape or form, but it's just kind of an odd eh, dichotomy. But, and actually, let me do a, a quick side tangent on Cuties. So, you know, I, revi I, I reviewed Cuties. If you guys missed that, it was about, I think three, yeah, three weeks ago. So it's the one before our debate recap podcast. I reviewed Cuties so you don't have to. And my review was not kind, to say the least. But we're seeing now, like there were there were rumors about it being brought up and how I actually went on, uh, I'll give a, a, our buddy Dan Smots over at the Systems Down podcast a shout out. He had me on after hearing my episode and basically said, Brian, come on my show, regurgitate what you said on your show, you know, come into my vomitorium <laughs> and regurgitate. Uh, you Caligula, you, and uh, tell my audience what you said on your podcast. So basically, I did that and grateful for the opportunity because I love talking with Dan. And actually, Dan and I do a bonus podcast for our Behind the Wall listeners, again, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, where we review South Parks and we have to review the pandemic episode, which I admittedly have not seen yet because I haven't had time to watch it. So we'll we'll be getting that out soon for you that are in the pride. But... I go on his podcast and we're talking about how he asked me if I would, from a legal perspective, go after the producers of Cuties. And if I thought that that was warranted, my opinion was no. I said, you can't do that because, again, if we're going to argue that all these other terrible things that government puts in place, all these regulations, all these barriers are a slippery slope, I cannot in good faith argue that we need to tell people that are making movies where... These chicks are not nude. Granted, they are lewd 
with an L, but they are not nude with an N in the movie. And I feel like it's a little bit of a bridge too far. It would really impact people's artistic freedom and also really hamper what people thought they could or could not do in the stories they could tell by saying, well, if you have girls doing something provocative or that could be interpreted as provocative and you give it legal weight from a government perspective and now they can come after you for whatever, you will have a very big impact. And I, I'm sure some people want that. I'm sure people on the, the very conservative right want that in there. They do, you know, and no sexualization of children. Look, guys, I'm all for that. Again, if you listen to my review, that cannot be more clear. But I am nothing if not very, very consistent in this point where I don't think that's something you get the government involved in. We've seen the public reaction. You see the IMDb replies and, and the ratings on this. It's got like 1.2% on, on IMDb ratings. People hate this movie, rightly so. Netflix is being raked over the coals, rightly so. We don't need to get the government involved in this. That's what we're always saying. We don't need to get the government involved. I don't want them involved now. That being said, it is kind of funny now that Texas has indicted cuties and Netflix for, quote, promotion of lewd vis visual material depicting a child over cuties. A grand jury in Tyler County, Texas. So it's a local, you know, local jurisdiction. But when you look at some of the clips, it's it is honestly hard to argue that it uh, this is their their uh, this actually is from Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz says, quote, the film routinely fetishizes and sexualizes pre-adolescent girls as they perform dances, simulating sexual conduct in revealing clothing. At least one scene, including at least one scene with partial child nudity. Now, in this movie, one of the most disturbing scenes and one which makes no sense, has no practical reason for being in the film whatsoever, is that the lead girl takes a selfie of her own vagina. Now, you don't see it. All the same, very strange, very unnecessary. So I'm not surprised to see this happen. At the same time, I'm not for it. Let this rest in the court of public opinion. Should the government get involved, it's bad for all of us. It's bad for art. It's bad for censorship. It's bad for First Amendment. I mean, for fuck's sake, this may be the hate speech of uh, <laughs> sexualization when we come to it, because once you establish that principle, you can wield it like a cudgel. And you will see if there is legal precedent set for this type of thing, it will be wielded like a cudgel and it'll come after shit that you like. I guarantee it. I know a lot of you libertarians like fucking anime. I like anime, guys. I'm not coming after you. I'm not shaming you. I enjoy me. He's a good anime. I fucking love anime. But a lot of anime has what could arguably be considered young-looking girls sexualized. They may not be getting boned by tentacle monsters, but in a lot of these shows, they might be in tight-slash-revealing clothing, even if they're animated. And once you have a legal precedent like this set, you can have these people come after your shit. And I guarantee you, they will. So, let's be careful how far we go with this. But, getting back to my main point... I'm on, you know, I'm on Twitter and I follow Hollywood Reporter. I get the Hollywood Reporter. I've worked in the uh, publicity 
sector of Los Angeles representing films and directors and TV shows and everything for long enough that I have these connections. And so I read all these trades. And also, of course, I'm working to be a writer in Hollywood. So I, you know, I read these trades for other purposes. Although typically I find that I just get mad about the trash that's being made and throw it in the garbage. And in that vein, the Hollywood Reporter's Twitter feed has a story on how Hulu has released the first full trailer for Justin Simeon's Sundance horror called Bad Hair, which, get this, offers a look at racist beauty norms while playing against a chilling rendition to Belle Biv DeVoe's Poison. Oh, my God. Let me just say... Get Out, I think, still has like a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, if not 100. Get Out, which I also reviewed with Dan, Dan Smots at The System is Down, and I uh, did a podcast about. Get Out's a fine movie. It is in no way a groundbreaking statement on racism in America. It may be attempting to be. It's not. If In fact, it's actually a stolen idea from another movie. <laughs> the exact same concept from 40 years earlier. And I know South Park made the point. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. I agree. Everything's been done before, guys. It's all been done before. Even I'm, I have a concept right now I'm working on with, you know, swords and sorcery, right? And I'm thinking in the back of my I'm like, God damn fucking that bitch. <laughs> that bitch J.K. Rowling. She did all this crap with Harry Potter. Anything I write is going to be derivative of that. Meanwhile, I just had Mark over, which is why I'm a little drunk right now, by the way, and planning on getting drunker. Uh, Mark came over because my mic died, and uh, he was like, oh, I'll drive down. He's about 15 minutes away. He's like, I'll drive down with my mic if you need it. Then I figured out the cord was the problem. I had a bad cord. But he was still here. I'm like, well, while you're here, let's have some drinks. And uh, he's going to be coming over with, uh, with his new lovely wife. Yes, that news was not fake news from the debate podcast on Thursday. So I was like, well, while you're here, you might have to have a drink. Let's talk about watching a movie outside with the projector in this beautiful L.A. weather. And I brought up the movie The Worst Witch. Now, The Worst Witch, if you haven't seen it, is a classic. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's got Tim Curry in it as the lead warlock who all the little girls are cutieing their panties over. It's amazing. It's equal parts cheesy, hilarious, clever in places, the worst special effects ever, overacting, and Tim fucking Curry. Oh, God, it's great. I own it on DVD. That's the only way you can see it now. So I'm talking about The Worst Witch, but J.K. Rowling ripped the fuck out of The Worst Witch. Ripped it off blatantly. It's crazy how bad it is. They should have sued her tits off. But... You know, writing anything, it's difficult. You're always derivative. This movie, this bad hair, of course, people look at the success of Get Out painting a horror movie in the racial colors, which everything is now viewed. And they go, oh, well, I should do something like that because clearly someone's going to fucking snap it up. And somebody did. Hulu. Let me say again, the description of this movie. Bad hair a horror movie which offers a look at racist beauty norms. Do we really need a movie that focuses on racist beauty norms? Number one, 
I don't think racist beauty norms really exist. That's just me. I've dated all races. Actually, I can't say officially dated. I have fooled around. <laughs> I have fooled around with all races. I have dated most of the predominant races, uh, the blacks, the Asians, uh, the whiteies. I was uh, a Native American guy. I could check that off. I cannot say I formally dated anyone from uh, the Indian population, but uh, you know that's where the fooling around covers your bases. I don't think in 2020 America for anybody under the age of 60, a racist beauty norm exists other than what the left pretends it to be, which is somehow... And, and again, you know, what I can't help thinking about this shit, just like what I was talking about with the Cuties review, right, where they're criticizing Muslim culture and how women are subservient to men, but you have the women of that culture fully endorsing it and forcing it on the next generation. It seems the same with beauty norms. I'm not out there as a man telling women what the fuck to do with their hair or their clothes or their bodies or their jewelry. I just respond to what looks good. And I'm sure my interpretation is also impacted by what I consume in pop culture. Pop culture and fashion are not dictated for the most part that I know of by a bunch of straight men. If anything, I would say it's probably gay men and women, at least in 2020. So how the fuck are there racist beauty norms that we're supposed to somehow believe exist and need to be fought against in a horror film set to Belle Biv DeVoe's Poison? When I see a hot chick on the street, I don't care what color she is. She's just a hot chick. That probably goes the same way for a lot of girls. They see a hot dude on the street. That's a hot dude. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That phrase exists for a specific fucking reason, and it does not have anything to do with stereotypical whiteness. This movie does not need to exist. If anything, I would argue that people that have exceptional, uh, erratic, accentual, uh, what is that word? I'm fucking I'm blanking on the word. Eccentric hairstyles draw more attention, probably get far more kudos, probably get far more uh, huzzahs, likes on social media, retweets, whatever else you want to call it, than your average basic bitch white chick that goes out sporting the Rachel from Friends haircut that went out of style 20 years ago. Give me a break with this shit. And if this is somehow a movie made by black chicks chastising other black chicks, which I bet it is, by the way, I bet that is what this is, is a masturbatory feminist black chick piece wherein they say we should be proud of our, you know, whatever you want to call it, frizzy, close cropped hair, nappy hair to use the, uh, the vernacular of, uh, God, who was that guy that got fucking fired? Can't remember. Some white radio host. I'm sure it's something saying we don't need to emulate the white woman's hairstyle by making our hair straight and having extensions and all this shit. Okay, fine. I'm not a chick. I also don't have hair. I happen to be bald, sadly. Even though my wife pretends that I am better looking bald, I know and she knows I'd be much better looking with hair. But <laughs> it's kind of like if you're 
a black chick, right? And this is just me coming at it from a basic logic perspective. You can choose to do only so many things with your hair as it exists in most circumstances. If you have hair that is tightly crimped, you know, it's like, you know, it's overlapping, it's tough, it tends to be very tight knit hair and black. There's only so much you can do with that if you do not want to partake in straightening it or braiding it or curling it or getting extensions or wearing wigs or whatever the fuck else it might be. Just like I, as a bald man, have very limited options. My options tend to be grow out the old musician, uh, hippie, I don't know, mullet ponytail, right? That's option one. Option two, go Jeremy Piven hair plugs, which I'm not going to do. Option three, grow out the monk mullet, you know, that shorter monk ring like Friar Tuck. Or four, just focus on beard hair and shave this shit down. So I maintain my look of an attractive man, and then I play with the beard hair. And as David Tell once joked about, you know, basically just look like a terrorist all the time. Those are my options. Other than that, I could choose to wear a wig or, as I said, get hair plugs or do some other thing to change my appearance. It's just like the Asian population. There's a reason that Asian people dye their hair so many fucking crazy colors. It's because... They all have the same black hair. That's what you do. It's not a racist stereotype. It's trying to do something different for fuck's sake. Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. Free Ross. So an interesting time. If you guys are new and you haven't heard this little mid-roll ad for our buddy Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, it comes at a perfect time, mainly because... We just had a big debate. We're talking about on the show. The drug roar was mentioned zero times. You know, they talked about race. They talked about uh, relationships. They talked about rioting. They talked about Breonna Taylor and policing. They talked about over-policing and what to do. Nobody's bringing up the drug war. And of course, Ross Elbricht is in jail for life. Three life sentences for allowing people to interact voluntarily on a website to basically buy and sell drugs voluntarily, non-violently, and they put this man away in jail. Meanwhile, the drug war has not only affected him disproportionately, and all the proceeds of this track, by the way, are going towards freeing Ross Ulbricht, which is why hashtag free Ross is what you need to remember and listen to. But it's just unbelievable. We'll listen to a debate where nobody's discussing it. I can't believe I've just... <laughs> Just still talking about this. 20 minutes I've been talking about this. Anyway, you get my point. Uh, these these movies are just so utterly stupid. A stupid derivative. Again, it's signaling. And I'm going to have Justin uh, from Grandstanding on next week. We'll talk maybe about a little bit about this too. The grandstanding of, of what movies are being made now. The choices that these fucking stupid companies are making to put out shit that people are going to watch and go, why does this exist? Bad hair falls into that category. Okay, 
Moving on, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Gavin Newsom, who I just found out, and I, I have not sourced this, but I believe it's true in all likelihood, but the American conservative, I think that was, or the American thinker, they had a story that referenced how Gavin Newsom, California's piece of shit, uber liberal dipshit governor, is Nancy Pelosi's nephew. I did not know that, but it makes absolute perfect sense. Of course, this, this utter goober, with his policy platforms that appeal only to the most absolute progressive, brainwashed, wokest imbeciles that, is, that walk among us like the zombies they are, the fucking pod people that shriek should you dare to question the amount of money and time spent on homeless or immigration or climate platforms, any of this other shit that we, they throw billions upon billions of dollars in taxes at and have no measurable impact. Of course, he's her nephew. Oh, and of course, he has brand new uh, legislation. Number one, he's introduced this concept, his commitment that California will have a ban on all gas-powered cars by 2035. Now, I've referenced this before. A buddy of mine that's a comedian, uh, he's been on the show, Toby Masuriano. He is, uh, I, I respect his intellect, he is very much more left than I am, but he's a man who has a good intellect and he's not one of those people that won't listen to an argument. So I had him on and we talked about this, that, and the other, but I was on his show back when you could go to things in person in Los Angeles called the Up Close and Political Show. And basically he brings together people that are academics, people that are experts in a field with comedians. So I was brought in as a libertarian and expert in all fields, obviously, uh, but as a, again, a comedian, a many probably a lot of you that have recently joined, you know, we picked up a, a couple thousand uh, listeners, maybe not that many, maybe, maybe a thousand listeners. But if you don't know, I, I've done stand-up comedy uh, for many, many years and uh, hundreds of, of shows. So I am viewed at least to some extent as a stand-up comedian. So he had me on and it was the climate Climate change was the basic topic. So I went up and I did some climate jokes, which were pretty funny. Um, and then we did a sit-down discussion. It was me. It was uh, a guy that was, I think, an, econom an economist. And then some guy that I, I lost all respect for during the course of the conversation that was like, I don't know, a researcher in ocean biology or something like that. It was just a, a real hack. And another uh, comedian on the stage and had an overall pretty good discussion. But I made the point that when you have all these measures for climate change, overarchingly, even though they talk about, you know, all these fucking liberal talking points, it's all about helping the poor and the most vulnerable mothers. Oh, these people are going to be displaced by climate change. Bullshit on all of that. They talk about the platforms for climate change and what we have to do. And we have to rein in all of these fossil fuels and we have to ban usage and charge people out the ass to do them. Just like with anything. They're coming from an absolute position of privilege. They want to talk about privilege as the worst sin a person can have. White privilege, uh, I don't know, rich privilege, whatever it might be. Just like they want to take away guns from people, you know, all these celebrities, all these rich people, all these uh, uber-rich progressives in these fucking cities that live in gated communities. Of course, they want to take away your guns, and they want to take away your freedoms, and they want to tell you how to live because they don't have to deal with the realities on an everyday basis. Of course, they want higher taxes. Of course, they want all these things because they're already rich. They can afford to pay them. It doesn't impact their lives. It's not, you know, $1,000 a month isn't a life-changing proposition to them, whereas for most people it is. And that's the thing with climate change as well. 
and Gavin Newsom's fucking idiotic idea to ban all gas-powered cars by 2035. On this panel, we're talking about the impact of, of these climate platforms. And I told him, I said, you privileged assholes, you want to tell all of these developing nations, right? You talk about the plight of black America and black people in general. You talk about the plight of these, these countries, oh, yeah, all these Asian nations and these poor people in these Asian nations and how they're going to, you know, water levels are going to rise six inches and destroy them. How about denying them access to fossil fuels, which we as Americans have built our nation on, having been advanced enough to take advantage of them, built an entire empire on, gotten ahead, and now we're the most dominant force in the world on. And China, of course, is quickly adapting and quickly using that exact same platform, fossil fuels, to build up their dominance. And now we are in our ultimate egoism, going to tell these other poor countries full of vulnerable Poor people dying of fucking dysentery that still have children that have to work eight hours a day to make a meager pittance. We're going to tell them they need to knock it off because of fucking climate change. How about you go eat a dick? The most hypocritical, stupid shit I've ever heard. And this is the same with Gavin Newsom. We're going to ban all cars that use gas by 2035. Oh, good plan, asshole. Who's that going to affect? You know who it's going to affect? Not the rich, not the Prius driving shitheads who seem to not know how to fucking drive and drive 10 miles below the goddamn speed limit all the fucking time. Fuck you if you own a Prius, by the way. I fucking hate all of you. Not the rich people. The rich people are not the ones that are affected by this. The rich people that can afford to buy hybrid cars and afford to drive or afford to pay extra money on their electric bill, which is already skyrocketing because everything uses electricity now, even though we seem to forget that we don't have enough power in the grid from renewables and never will. So where do you think the electricity comes from to power your hybrid cars, idiots? Oh, that's right. You need to have a fossil fuel backup. You need to have coal-fired plants. You need to have plants that rely on actual burnable fuel because battery technology, they've admitted, the battery industry has admitted this, has hit its limit, absolute limit. We can't get any more out of batteries. You can charge them up as much as you want. It becomes an unbelievably expensive proposition if you want to support an entire grid with renewable energies. It's why California has had rolling blackouts. We had a few days where the smog and the smoke was covering up the sky. We had a very hot weather. You didn't have solar. You didn't have wind. Guess what happened? Rolling blackouts. Guess what? We resort on fossil fuels. This shit is stupid. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make economic sense. It doesn't make Amp watt, amps and watts sense. But you have idiots like Gavin Newsom grandstanding on it. We're talking about getting rid of the most basic affordable way of transportation that exists. That fucks poor people. That fucks immigrants. That fucks your minority communities, which might be on the poorest side of the spectrum. In LA, for sure, that tends to be minorities. So Gavin Newsom pretends that this is for the greater good. Oh, we have to do all this for the world. All you're doing is putting poor people in a position where they become much poorer or they can't get to work. And then what happens? Oh, then they're doubling down on their resilience or not their resilience, excuse me, their reliance on the government. And maybe this is the idea all along. 
You know, it's like a buddy of mine, Donna Donnie. Don, if you're out there, what's up, buddy? My buddy Don, and many other people have talked to this too, talks about Homeless Inc. The industry that has become the homeless issue. And his theory, and I agree with it wholeheartedly because I'm a cynical libertarian, is that they don't want to solve the homeless problem. The homeless problem is an issue that exists so that government can continue to grow. It's not in their best interest to solve it because then they'd have to slash all of the hundreds of millions of dollars. This city, San Francisco, Seattle, hundreds of millions of dollars every year pumped into this fucking issue. It does nothing. We've had the homeless problem accelerate and grow larger every year. We keep having fucking idiotic ballot measures on the thing to put more money into it. It does nothing because they don't enforce any laws. Homeless Inc. They don't want to solve it. They want to make it worse so they get more government power, more more control, more taxes, more everything. It is insidious. We're seeing that with this problem too. We're going to ban the cars so you can't get to work. You can't get to work. You got to rely on public transportation. You can't afford your uh, your home. You can't feed your kids. Who's there for you? The government. Well, we got to raise taxes for that. We got to invent a whole new bureaucracy to take care of this transportation issue that we created. It is a prime example of government creating the problem, then creating solutions to the problem that don't work so that they have to keep tacking on more and more and more. Fucking classic. Another thing with Gavin Newsom I want to talk about too, this fucking asshole, is that he pushed through this corporate boardroom diversity law. Now, this has already been passed. And I talked about how first they mandated you had to have women on. I don't see how that's constitutional, especially let's say you're a family-owned company, right? Let's say you are a private family-owned company. Your board consists of your family. Now you have to invite in some random dickhead Not only that, it can't just be any random dickhead. It's got to be somebody that's LGBTQ, uh, that's uh, Latino, that's black, that's trans, that's whatever the fuck categories you want to check off in this bingo card of bullshit. The good news is Judicial Watch, I believe, I was reading a story on it earlier, and it had Judicial Watch's Tom Fitton quoted in it. I believe they are pushing back with a lawsuit saying this is absolutely unconstitutional. And it is, and it should be. The government has no right to interfere in the operations of a private corporation or a public corporation for that matter and who it puts on its fucking board of directors. The government's using this quote-unquote equality under the law catchphrase, which means nothing because I dare you to prove that somehow boards of companies are denying people equality by who they choose to put on the board. It doesn't make sense. And like anything else, if you're scrambling, just like I was talking with last episode about the Oscars and how the Oscars had had now mandated that you have to have, just like California boardrooms, a gay, a Jew, an Italian, and a redhead gay. They all live together on Avenue A. Nobody will get that reference. That's from The State, one of the greatest sketch comedy shows ever created way back when in the 90s. But if you do get it, cheers to you. But just like with the fucking Oscar diversity mandate bullshit, all you're doing is fucking over these companies that are smaller. The big companies can afford to find a really good candidate that happens to be gay or black or whatever and bring them in and pay them enough money where they can find somebody really good. 
If you're a smaller company and you're a board of directors, you can't afford to do that. So basically, you're going to go out and find some piece of shit to fill that fucking bill that you don't need there that's an extra $25,000 on your company corporate bill every month. Because that's what these people get paid, by the way, or maybe never, maybe every year. But if you're on the board, you get paid. So basically, California is mandating that these people either fire somebody that they have already that is very competent, or they hire somebody additional, bringing more money on top of their own natural expenditures. And if they don't, they fine them $100,000. You can see where this is a problem. California leading the way and driving people the fuck out of here with stupid proposals like this, with business killing, woke leftist, goddamn nonsense like this. And these fucking idiots keep voting for it. They keep voting morons like Gavin Newsom in. They keep blinding their eyes to what's going on. They keep, I, I, I get, every time there's a tax increase, these people vote for it, even though it does nothing. Every time the, the, there's a money towards education, even though we have some of the highest paid teachers, some of the most money going into any school district, and we have the worst. It's terrible. They vote for it every time. They don't fucking learn. I've gotten through three news items on my email to myself, and I'm 37 minutes in. Well, you know what, guys? Buckle up. This is what happens when you start drinking early. When Mark comes over and I start getting a little, you know. Uh, how about this one? Some good news on the foreign affairs front. I, I saw that they're already bringing troops home. Something like 1,500, 2,000 troops have already moved out of Iraq. This is confirmed by the Iraqi parliament. That is happening. That is awesome. And, you know, it's not something anybody's going to talk about. I hope Trump talks about it a little bit in the debate, but trying to make good on those promises to end these endless wars, I think would be a big win for him. In addition to that, Pentagon has informed Congress is preparing to have zero, quote unquote, zero U.S. troops in Afghanistan by the spring. That would also be incredible. We have been in Afghanistan for 20 years. It's insane. Well, maybe not 20, 19 years, soon to be 20. We're throwing money down the tubes. I've talked about on this show numerous times, the reports from the ground, from actual commanders there, is that all that happens is that the U.S. goes in, trains some troops, trains some police officers, and as soon as they leave whatever town or area they're in, the Taliban come in, the police that have been trained by the U.S. go, we don't want to die. We don't feel like fighting you. You can take it over. This happens again and again. You know why? Because it's not their fucking war. The U.S. came in under this, this delusion that the Afghani people wanted to be free and American, and we need to bomb them into submission for them to realize that and take over their country. Isn't it shocking? When they don't want to die for an American war after the Americans leave the territory and aren't watching them? What a crazy idea! And yet, we've been there for 20 years repeating this exact process. <laughs> so again, this is a great thing. Ring the bell. Good job, Trumpster. Oh, next. Oh, this is a funny thing. Let's talk a little bit about, let's get into the, well, let's a little bit more on race 
And then let's go into some COVID talk because there's a lot of funny shit on COVID. But I really enjoyed, there's a uh, website which I'd never heard about before. And uh, if you are an owner or uh, partake in this website, good on you. It's called Law and Liberty, lawliberty.org. Apparently part of the Liberty Fund Network. And uh, I guess they even have podcasts. What podcasts do they have? Um... I don't know, just random law and liberty podcast. Interesting. Well, good on them. So if you're out there and you're hearing this, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> but they have an article called Calling Princeton's Anti-Racist Bluff. And this is really, really funny. So last Thursday, this was written on the September 22nd. So this would be uh, like around September 18th, maybe let's say. The Department of Education sent a letter to Princeton University President Christopher L. Eisgruber informing him the university will be under investigation for violations of Title IX of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The reason is that 15 days prior, Eisgruber had released a letter to the university community stating, among other fashionably self-deprecatory things, that, quote, racist assumptions from the past remain embedded in structures of the university itself. And he reiterated that he changed his cabinet uh, with, quote, developing plans to combat systematic racism at Princeton and beyond. And he says that, and stresses, his confession of systematic racism is not intended by current actors, but it's part of a, quote, unquote, system. But... Uh, Betsy DeVos and the Department of Education took Ice Gruber at his word and they are going after them. This is what needs to happen. I honestly can't get enough of it. Because look, if you're operating under the guise of we're doing this all for equality, we're going to virtue signal with these woke statements, we're going to say that we're a racist institution. If you're going to say that, then you bring upon the wrath of the government, which you have fallen under the guise of with this Title IX legislation, which you didn't fight against, which you've been, I'm sure Princeton has been tooth and nail fighting against Betsy DeVos, trying to demand that people get their due right to defend themselves and they can't be drummed out of fucking colleges on bullshit accusations by tribunals that have no, uh, no judge, jury. Uh, well, they have, I should say, they have a jury and they have executioners. They don't have any sort of uh, of standards or means for a fair hearing. So I think it's absolutely hilarious that Princeton has declared itself racist, and thus the government says, oh, okay, you've admitted you're racist? Well, then we will assist you in getting rid of that racism. We'll just step in and gently guide you on the right path. I mean, is there any faster way to stop woke nonsense like this from cropping up than for people to be taken at their word? For every asshole on Twitter that talks about their white privilege, if there was somebody that stepped in and said, okay, wonderful. Now, granted, I do not want a government organization to be able to step in and, and demand restitution from people uh, that have declared that they have too much white privilege. I'm just saying in a theoretical manner. It's pretty fucking funny. Like, this is one, you know, I had Ryan Long uh, 
who had that great sketch. Uh, comedian Ryan Long, he had a wonderful sketch. He was on actually before he did this sketch showing you I am in the fucking know on who to get on this podcast. But he had that awesome sketch about woke, <laughs> the woke bro and the racist bro and how they're, the, they're best friends because they agree on everything. But that would be a great Ryan Long sketch, just taking these people on Twitter on their word, the white privilege people and coming down on them and having, you know, the governmental office of white privilege come in. And once you tweet about it, then somebody comes to you and goes, OK, well, here's the bill. We've calculated it like the IRS, but for wokeness, the white IRS, the YRS or WRS, I guess. It sounds better with YRS. Uh, fucking hilarious. So, yeah, stick it up your butt, Princeton. You get what you get. Uh, how about this? Talking about COVID stuff, less than 1% of teachers and students have been infected since schools reopened. Wow, weird. It's almost like the way this entire virus is rolled out, which the media doesn't want you to believe, wherein you have a 99% survival rate, wherein you have an infection rate that it seems to be hovering around 2%, but among very young people, among people that aren't susceptible to the disease already, and we already know that young people tend not to be affected by it. Number one, they're hard to infect because of the way the, vir the virus is transmitted in the lungs. And number two, they barely have any symptoms. We also know that asymptomatic people cannot transmit the disease. It's something like if you're asymptomatic, your transmit percent is like 1%. So 1% of 1%. So this is not a shock. And yet we have the French fucking banning homeschooling in 2021 which is I, just so bizarre because you've got all these kids, right, that are homeschooled. I'm not sure exactly what France is doing with schooling, if they're doing it in person or not. But you've got people that are homeschooled now because their kids basically are, are forced to sit on a Zoom call and you've got principles, the most piece of shit principles that exist out there, calling child protective services if your child is not on their Zoom lesson. And these are true stories, by the way. This actually happened, I think, in Detroit. So you've got this scenario where you need to homeschool. And in France, it's probably the similar thing. France is seeing all these children being homeschooled, but their problem, because France is an uber left liberal, uh, well, what used to be liberal, uber woke nation, right, of uh, a fucking unionist and uh, quasi-socialist, they have now embraced this concept that we can't have homeschooling because it would have religious indoctrination and teaching of kids. So they're going to ban all homeschooling. Now, I'm not one to go out of my way to defend the basics of religion. I'm not a religious person. I think John Odermatt and I still have to, uh, we have a debate, which we have yet to set about the existence of God. But I don't deride people that have religious beliefs. You know, we all have our, <laughs> we all have our fallbacks. I'm drinking whiskey. Some people drink Jesus. And actually, I'm going to drink some whiskey right now. But to say that you're going to ban all homeschooling out of the fear that some children are being raised in a religious environment as far as education is absurd. And of course, smacks of the authoritarianism, brainwashing and indoctrination practices that every nation is after. I think it was Thaddeus Russell, or maybe it was a hardcore history podcast. Somebody, or maybe it was somebody on Thad Russell's show. But they're talking about how this all, you know, the entire education system that we've adopted comes from the Germans, the Germans, and is intended as an indoctrination system. 
You get the children in, you teach them about the state and the glories of the state. You teach them exactly what you want them to know about the history and the way that the country is moving so that they are good little worker bees. But at least in this country, you have the ability to homeschool or choose. Well, we should have much more school choice, shouldn't we? But at least you have the ability to homeschool. France has taken that out of out of uh, the lexicon. And the United States, in certain places, is trying to do the same. I've seen bills about it. I've seen that Harvard professor who went out of her way to condemn homeschooling. But of course, this being America, it can't just be about religion. It has to be about racism, too. And of course, this fucking Harvard professor had said that it wasn't just the uh, the religion. It's that white supremacists are raising their children to be white supremacists and only white supremacists homeschool. Of course, we all know that's not true. But to get back to this COVID shit. So there's no reason for schools not to be open. The transmission rate is negligible. Children are being denied social acclimation skills, social interaction skills. They're being denied the basics of education if you believe that your school does a good job. These kids are not learning shit. Can you imagine sitting down at eight and watching a computer monitor for six or seven hours? Can you imagine kindergartners doing it? It's like it's like airplanes kicking kindergartners off for not wearing masks for six hour flights. What do you expect? These people that are teaching our children don't have the basic logic skills, the basic intelligence working with kids every fucking day to realize that this will not work. And yet they push it and they will not acquiesce any points of logic nor reason. A truly, truly flabbergasted. Moving on with the COVID stuff. I don't know if you guys saw this, but a hot mic caught Pennsylvania Democratic governor and their state rep laughing about the political theory of wearing masks. I won't play the clip. It's very short. I I don't still feel like pulling it. But in essence, uh, this chick got up. She's supposed to talk. And she's like, oh, I better put my mask on. You know, this political theater. That's a verbatim quote. Now, they walked it back and said, oh, well, we were just, you know, just joshing. But no, you're not. You're not just joking. This is political theater. This is all bullshit. We know this from the story I talked about. Uh, what was it in Austin or, or Houston about the bar, the, the bar district downtown? I think it was called Broadway, where they hid information from the populace because that information stated that the transmission rate impact bar areas was something like 2%. And they couldn't have that getting out, not before the election anyway. As California's health director had said, not before the election. Of course not. Because that would expose the Democratic viewpoint that we're all going to die, that COVID has to be justified in locking down the economy, that all these Democratic governors that have destroyed state economies, that have destroyed 60% of small businesses, that have decimated bars and restaurants, that they're somehow justified in doing it. I hope and pray that we, when we look back at this in 10 years, we view it as the biggest mistake that we have ever made in the history of our country. And I say that knowing full well about Vietnam, about World War II, about everything else. I, I acknowledge the death tolls there. But we've got twice as many people living in this country now. And the overarching reach of the death toll from not the disease, but the cure is going to be absolutely incredible. 
All right, next, uh, some good news. Rand Paul, Paulus. I'm not going to put the sound effect in, too lazy. Rand Paul, Tulsi, Gabbard, Thomas Massey, and Ron Wyden have joined forces to kill the presidents. And I didn't even know about this. The president apparently has the ability to shut down communications, I guess, through the FCC. Uh, this is under the broad terms of a 1934 federal law. The president has the authority to seize emergency control of almost any electronic device in the country. Ha! Wow. News to me. But for the first time that I've seen in the Trump administration, and I, you know, the silver lining for Donald Trump coming in, right? I, I had higher hopes for him that, he, that he's proved to be a very big disappointment in many areas to me. But the high hopes I had was that with Donald Trump in office, people would finally step up and start reining in executive powers, start reining in the powers of the president and of government. And it hasn't happened. Trump hasn't lost any powers. The Democrats haven't pushed it. They haven't even fucking tried to push it because they don't want to cede any power. They expect to win at some point and they want to make sure that that power is still there when they get back in office. So this bill aims to revoke Section 706 of the Communications Act of 1934. And this is per a Reason article by Eric Baum. So it tries to rein this in and make it so that the president cannot simply take over all fucking communications. Because, I mean, in this day and age, everything is done over the internet, over digital, over uh, airwaves, whatever it might be, he can control it. So Tulsi Gabbard explains in, his, in her statement that this is, quote, it could be invoked the, I'm sorry, let me go back. The broad language included in Section 706 means that it could be invoked today to give a president, quote, nearly unchallenged authority to restrict access to the internet, conduct email surveillance, control computer systems, and cell phones. But Reason goes on to say, as Michael Soclo wrote in Reason last year, the law is so broad, it effectively gives the president the ability to commandeer any electric device that emits radio frequency transmissions. Now that, as Soclo noted, Includes everything from your implanted heart device to the blow dryer for your hair, exercise equipment, any smart device, and your laptop. And I'd like to take it a step farther. That includes all of our cars. Every car that comes out now typically is embedded with a chip that can virtually shut down your car, which is terrifying considering the fact that law enforcement agencies can request that people shut your car down now. Don't know if you knew that, guys, but maybe try to bone up on your engine skills, buy one of them old T-Birds, fix it up that doesn't have the electronics. So this is an awesome thing. We're seeing Tulsi Gabbard, who I believe said she was going to be resigning or not seeking re-election. She's involved in a lot of good bills right now. So there's this bill. I lost the other link. There's another bill she's involved with now as well that is also equally impressive. And again, I think teaming up with Rand Paul. So she's doing everything she can before she leaves. You know, again, raises the question, why not earlier, Tulsi? The answer is, because she feared backlash from her Democratic colleagues in most of these situations and to the people that she would have to align herself with, a.k.a. Ron Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, didn't want the, the uh, blowback. Pathetic. All right. How about we talk about uh, this little story? I'm going to wrap it up pretty soon. I got, I'll do like 10 more minutes. So this little story... Americans increasingly believe violence is justified if the other side wins. You know, our buddy Pablo Sergio had said bad information on a Facebook post they did about this. 
uh, because I have long said that this is what is happening, and I believe it is absolutely accurate. A, this study has uh, has said that increasingly, yes, both sides believe violence is justified if the other side wins, and violence is justified in more circumstances than previously. So, Pablo, waiting on that link, buddy. But um, why would this be a surprise? I mean, we're seeing it play out in the streets. We're seeing it play out in random attacks on people. We've seen it play out at political rallies. And I would argue, and I still say this de facto, that the left is more violent than the right. I've seen it a million times. I was getting into an argument with somebody in our Facebook forum four years ago where, you know, Trump supporters are being attacked. What about all the riots? What about the random people getting beaten up? What about store owners being beaten with two by fours in front of their own stores? What about uh, people being... Uh, randomly punched like Rick Moranis in the face. Now, granted, that may not be justified violence. The Rick Moranis thing may have just been a random attack. But we're talking about burning, looting, 100 days plus of violence in Portland. And <laughs> what about this makes me think that people aren't increasing believing violence is justified if the other side wins? Remember punch a Nazi? That's okay. Remember Nick Sandman and how people said he had the most, uh, you know, a prominent journalist said he had the most punchable face he'd ever seen? This is how it goes. We'll get into this a little bit more again next week when I have uh, Justin Tosi on uh, with the book Grandstanding. But he has a phrase which is, you know, ramping up. And it's ramping up to, to, to prove how good you are, to prove your moral virtue. It can't just be a statement. It has to be, I went out and I punched a guy. I went out and I set a Starbucks on fire because I'm so fucking woke, those corporate bastards and all the money that they give to charities and all the people of diverse minority backgrounds that they uh, that they employ, give a start, put it in the management program. So there's that. Um, moving on, another quickie. Amazon was found that they cannot be held responsible for a teen's powdered caffeine death, a court ruled. That is a undervalued ruling. Because if they found Amazon responsible, that's pretty terrifying. That means that any number of companies will stop, st stop selling any products that they can be held liable for. You're going to see, again, it's just, it's just a slippery slope effect. You're going to see a crackdown, just like we saw with free speech laws, everything like that, you know, these, the crackdown and back pages type of thing, and the, the uh, CISPA and uh, what's the fucking other one? FOSPA. That under the guise of combating sex trafficking, basically drove anybody trying to sell sex services off the internet and, of course, made life infinitely more dangerous for those people while accomplishing basically fucking nothing. This is a version of that, wherein if you had said Amazon by allowing this kid to buy a bunch of powdered caffeine, which presumably when you buy it, you're going to mix it into something else, water, soda, whatever, I don't know, your, your fucking morning porridge, whatever it might be, the fact that a substance exists and a kid used it for its unintended purpose by tripling the dosage and snorting it or whatever the fuck he did in this situation does not make you liable. I'm sure on the package it says this is the recommended dosage. Do not exceed X. 
Do not, you know, I mean, it's like anything. Do we need to have every product have the commercial for the drug industry? You know, we're at the end of it. There's 30 seconds of side effects to snorting caffeine may include extended heart rate, diarrhea, diarrhea that blasts you into space, uh, brain bleeding. Sometimes you might be really interesting. Sometimes you might be less interesting. Like, oh, do we need 30 seconds diatribes about wall, all the things that could possibly happen in some fucking universe for products to exist? Thank God this court ruled this way. Otherwise, you'd see lawsuits upon lawsuits. You'd see products disappearing off shelves. Everything would be harder to find. Thank you for this ruling. And then, uh, okay, one thing that I'll talk about, Trump to wrap the episode up, leaving the White House or leaving uh, <laughs> the hospital. Um, millennials say now they're less likely, even less likely to have kids thanks to COVID-19. Wow. That's great news. I mean, wow. That's great news guys. As libertarians, can I just say this? If millennials are looking not to have kids, every libertarian within the sound of my voice, guys, we got to get to fucking, we got to get to fucking now. We got to breed these liberal wokesters out. Pop out these kids. Four babies, six babies. Get yourself a TLC show. That many babies. <laughs> get yourself some fertility drugs. Pop them out. If they're going to if they're going to go in the back burner not have kids good. Fuck these people. I hate them. Hate them all. Libertarian generation next up. Let's get it going. Anybody that needs it, I'll send you some crazy goat weed. I'll send you some condoms with holes in them. You can fool your loved ones. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to Trump real quick to wrap this episode up. I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to call this episode. A lot of bullshit about bad hair. Um, Trump got COVID. I know you'd think I'd leave the episode with this, but I don't know. What, what's there to be said? You know, I was talking to our, our Lions of Liberty email chain. Of course, we email back and forth every day. And, uh, and Howie, the godfather of liberty, Howie Snowden, he sends out our news links every day, hundreds of news links. Probably, I would say conservatively, he sends us 200 news links, which is why all of us Lions of Liberty are very well informed. We get 200 news links every day. And you can actually get these too. If you get, sign up for $15 on Patreon, you also get the news links. So you will be in the know. They're from both sides of the spectrum. They cover an unbelievable amount of intellectual territory. Everything from Lou Rockwell and Reason through to the Huffington Post. So I'm, you know, reading all this fucking coverage. And we're talking about the take on, on Trump. And Rico really nailed it. He goes, here's what's going to happen with this shit. He goes, Trump's going to get COVID. He's going to be fine. And because, again, even though he's 76 or 77, even in the even among 77 year olds your survival rate is something like 96%. So he goes, "All right, Trump's going to get it. He's going to be fine." And you're going to see all these liberals whine that he only got better because he had access to healthcare. And sure as shit, Rico, ring the fucking bell, my friend. That is what we're seeing happen. A virus with a 99% survival rate and these Fucking assholes are trying to make it out as though we need universal health care because somehow Trump has the richest. Uh, he's the richest. He has gold injected in his veins. They're putting platinum up his ass. And that's why he survives. No, you fucking idiots. It's because it's not that big a deal. 
But of course, you can never have anything that's not spun. And again, I'll get into this next week when I talk about grandstanding. But it is amazing to see all these people that pretend to care and be so full of love for everybody, for everybody in the world, wish Trump dead. How many, to the point where Twitter said they were going to start removing people that wish Trump would die uh, and make basically just say that, you know, good job, good luck, COVID. And I know they did, you know, uh, Jim Carrey was on as Biden on SNL. I thought he had one funny line in the night, but overall it was pretty sad. Um, but Chris Rocks had a monologue, and I actually thought this is a funny joke, but he goes, Trump is in the hospital with COVID. I just want to say I wish COVID all the best. That's a funny joke. But it really does smack up what all these, these liberals are saying. All these Democrats are wishing him dead. You know they wish he would die. And I'm predicting right now, the amount of bad karma that the left has been invoking with everything that's happened in 2020, from defending rioting, from defending looting, from wishing Trump dead, from all the vitriol, from trying to demonize a goddamn child that did nothing in Nick Sandman to just everything. The karma they're building up almost makes me want to predict, and I will not officially, I'm allegedly predicting that Joe Biden will catch COVID, not from Trump, it'll be be beyond the window, but that Joe Biden will catch it and be dead before the election. Because just karma is a fucking bitch, and these people have been building up a lot of karma. Because they are some of the goddamn meanest, evilest people I have ever seen. I mean, Twitter is a cesspool. And to see the shit that these people say regularly is just shocking. But I wish Trump all the best, not because I view him as a good candidate, not because I view him as a bastion of liberty, but because I view him as a giant middle finger to the cult of COVID, to all the people that pretend that this disease is something that we need to repeatedly, they're talking about shutting down entire cities again. He's a giant middle finger to all these people. And I love that he's brash about it. I love that he just came out and said, COVID's nothing to worry about. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) For the first time in my life, I'll say thank you to Trump. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us today here in Electric Liberty Land. Reminder to listen always to our flagship show, Mark, on Mondays. He just had Angela McArdle combating the uh, the gentleman from crowdfunded government. Apologies if I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's been on the podcast before. They had an interesting debate. They were talking about whether the Libertarian Party should be abolished or exist. I think they both made pretty interesting arguments. I'm not going to tell you whose side I came down on, but do check that out. And then... We had the Libertarian-in-Chief, Todd Gopian, probably saying his name wrong, but that is on brand for me. He was on yesterday's show, so check that out. And then, huge news. Do not end this podcast early. Don't, don't hit pause. Felony Friday, this Friday, and I believe for the next few weeks after that, John Odermatt has gotten an, uh, an access to interview death row inmates. He will have an inmate that is currently on death row awaiting to be sentenced to death on Felony Friday this Friday. If you've never listened before, shame on you, number one, because it's probably the most important podcast we have. But if you're going to listen, this Friday is the one to listen to. This is 
I don't know. I can't even tell you how rare it is. So check it out. Uh, that's going to do it, guys. So for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to liberty.